Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Throwing Wrenches Podcast. This is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott. And this is the auto podcast that's getting some national attention. National. National. Yeah. And maybe even international if we want to you know, quantify that yes, correctly. Absolutely. Uh, what Daryl's talking about is uh, we got we were reached out to by Carly Connected Car, a great little service and a great device that plugs into your car. We're going to talk a lot more about that in this show. And so for this episode, episode 45, Carly is our only sponsor. Yep. And we'll talk more about that and uh, we'll get into the nitty gritty of how it can actually really help be a nice little tool in your arsenal of tools without costing a whole lot of money. And we also have, like tools because we've got some projects. Both Eric and I have been working on a few things. And we've been called tools in the past. We've too. been called tools in the past, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but it, it, it really is to, good to be back with you. And it feels like we haven't done a show in a while, but we really had a, kind of a double header with uh, the Dean Dean, The Dean thing really, uh, yeah. really sucked us in. So, so sit back and relax. Enjoy this episode of Throwing Wrenches. While you're doing that, you can check out mycarly.com. And also remember, we have this promo code. TWA15. That gets you 15% off retail price. All right, on with the show. You Patreon folks, you just had an hour and five minutes of an amazing Patreon show. Not only did we talk about cars, we talked about food, Daryl. A lot of food. Lots of road <laughs> food, lots of health food, lots of advice on what you should and shouldn't eat yeah, also yeah. So on the road. If you want to know how to uh, bypass dementia later in life, probably <laughs> tune into the pre-show, right? Yeah, here's a hint. Don't get any processed meats. <laughs> and the um, feedback from the last couple shows. So yeah. I had – I knew this feedback like instantly when I was producing the show, but uh, – did you get some feedback, Daryl? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit of feedback. Uh, Dean, a force in the last show. We do appreciate him being here. We and this this is not any kind of a sideways no, no, no. compliment. I, I can tell you this: when you're sitting next to Dean, he's laughing. You want to laugh. Yeah. The guy is smiling. He's just a toothy grin, and he's a happy dude. And I, I want to laugh along with him. Unfortunately, when you're doing a podcast, you just can't sit there and do these wheezy laughs because I have a wheezy laugh. I think I Dean has a wheezy laugh. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of guys sound like snidely whiplash, right? I think if you edited down an hour of that show, <laughs> it would be 38 minutes of us laughing, which you know is sometimes funny. Bob yeah. and Tom kind of did that too, though. That's yeah, but they always sh- had a girl who was like correcting them. You know, <laughs> if Sarah or Angel were sitting here and saying, "Now you guys," you know. Right. It, be even more funny, right? That's how that works. And it would be funny for other people, probably not for us, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> All right. For those of you who don't know, do you want to switch this up? No, you go ahead, you go ahead first. All right. Because I, I printed out my, my Oh, you, my don't, have, you don't have mine. So I don't, Mine's a surprise. Yours is a surprise. I'll, I'll just do this. For those of you who don't know my co-host, Eric Stahl, in another life, he might have been the kind of pioneer leading a wagon train west to undiscovered lands and untold riches. Well, he's not a minor 49er. He's just a regular guy in 2021 with a few off-road vehicles and some cast iron cookware, which does come in handy on the trail. Uh, the man who had a Yeti and a cooler before Yeti coolers existed, <laughs> he's Mr. Eric Stahl. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I never did purchase a Yeti, though. So. No? Did, no. You, did you see Sasquatch? Uh, you, know, I, you know, you see a lot of things when you're out in the trail and, and you've had too much bourbon. So. <laughs> you've seen some stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you don't know my co-host, Daryl Scott, well, he's got more cars to choose from than some of our listeners have undergarments. <laughs> when the Cars and the Coffees premiere in a few weeks, what will he choose? Could he make a spinning wheel for him? Maybe, come on, Vanna, spin him a letter, spin him a Volvo, spin him a Tahoe or a Tundra. How many spots do we need on the Daryl Scott 
wheel of cars. That's Daryl Scott. <laughs> That's a good idea. They do make a virtual spinner app on, online. Have you seen uh, those? If you, uh, wheel of Lunch. Wheel of Lunch. Com. Have you had that? Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, we put like way too many choices on there. <laughs> and it's still funny because when you make those yeah. and you hit them, you're like, mm, I don't want pitas. I don't want this. <laughs> well, or they have uh, leftovers. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I'm not eating leftovers. The whole reason I put the Wheel of Lunch together is so I could find something decent, right? Who put McDonald's on here? That's boring. You want McDonald's? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Please, uh, if you take the time and share that on the local social media sites and uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. Uh, what, what am I missing, Daryl? I got them all? I don't know. Vine. <laughs> we need to do more video content. That's what we need. We used to do some video content. I think it, wintertime is an ugly time to do video content. Yeah. So maybe the summer during the car shows and stuff we'll do more. Plus Spielberg stopped returning our calls. Yeah, he and, did. He did. But uh, I did actually do a really cool video using my uh, iMovie app uh, of my trip out trip. To, to Sedona. And I'm, uh, I'm more and more amazed at this iPhone 11. This thing spits yeah. out videos. I'm like, man. I just, I would have spent two hours making this friggin' video, you know. It just like randomly grabs the media yeah. and, and the, I, I slide it and edit it and do whatever. Yeah. But still, that's it's pretty easy. It's slick. It does yeah. look nice. Yeah. Uh, put a little soundtrack on there. I was say the music helps. Boom, too. boom, boom. Yes, can't <laughs> beat it. All right. Now, speaking of reviews and speaking of sharing on social media, I would like to point out that uh, we did not get any new reviews since the last time I begged for them for iTunes. But I did look back. When I was checking for those reviews, and I saw we're at a stellar 4.8, Daryl, out of 5. That's I like those odds. Yeah, that's pretty good. good. But it would be total 5-star, except somebody put a 2-star review in there. Somebody dinged us. Somebody dinged us with a 2-star. And, and so all I can ask, was it the Essentially Distance show, where you and I tried to do a remote show, which was a train wreck? Or was it the Detail Peoria show, where possibly <laughs> the, the production wasn't perfect, and Matt Carter didn't get my John DeLorean movie quote? You know, that's a whole thing, though. I think we need to pull up a highlight from that show just for the, for future reference yeah. at some point and, and just drop it in. I don't know if we'll do it here or maybe in a future episode just to embarrass people. But um, I don't know. They didn't leave any other no, identifying no, no, remarks. No, I mean, no, not identifying no, no. remarks. We don't care. No. It's anonymous. <laughs> Nobody cares. But I want to know who the, who left the two-star yeah, yeah, review. Exactly. If, if, they're, if they're from Peoria, we're after you. You're done. No, but seriously, <laughs> they didn't leave any comments other than just two stars. Not just a two. Yeah. Man, we saw us. I mean, it was a slip. Maybe they meant to do a five and they hit it too. Maybe, maybe they had like a maybe they had a seizure right when they were hitting the review. We need the five, really. Yeah, yeah. it happens to me on Yelp all the time. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. I know there's thousands of people who listen to the show, uh, and we do appreciate if you take a couple minutes. Just tell others what you think, even if it is a two star review. But let us know. Just tell us if if you don't like something. We'll, we'll work on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, if you go – well, I was looking for more reviews. So I'm like, all right, I want to send out stickers, which I just sent out the sticker from the last one. I, I feel so bad. You know, It's one of those deals. Daryl, you're the guy who <laughs> you're, – you're the doer when it comes to stuff. I'm the idea guy. I'm the guy like, hey, Daryl, we should do this. We should do yeah. this. You know, yeah. hey, I got an idea. I'm going to make a parody of John DeLorean. I mean that's the type of stuff I'm always working on. Daryl's good at licking stamps, I think is what I I'm am. trying to say. That yeah. is, yeah. I'm like my dad in the sense that I do like to go to the post office. Oh, do you? Oh, uh, yeah. That's like a thing. Oh, got a, got a big day. i got to run some errands. got to go to the bank and the post office. <laughs> That's a thing. I don't know. It just started happening once I turned Well, on my 40. quest for reviews, I end up on a website called Listen Notes. I think it's listennotes.com. not sure which. But uh, out of uh, all the global audience, I don't know if you're aware of this, Daryl, we're 10 hmm. per- in the top 10% of automotive podcasts by global audience on Listen Notes. No 
kidding. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to take that as a good thing. Are there 10 other podcasts or well, even at, or? Even at 10, I'll take top 10. That I'll means, that yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. take that. We're in, the, we're in there. But no, seriously, thank you. Thank you very much for, for all the feedback everybody's sent over the years. It really has helped us to kind of focus in on what it is that we do here. And hey, we ain't perfect, but <laughs> we have a good time and we hope that you do too. We do too. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the project section of the show where we talk about things that we're working on in the garage. I mm-hmm. think you know this would be a great segue to talk about the Carly connected car. Uh, so the folks from Carly reached out to us about a month ago and they said, hey, uh, we have this device and this system. We'd like to see if you guys would try it out and talk about it on your show. And we have never done anything like this before and there's reasons why. I, I've done podcasts in the past where somebody sends you an item and they say, hey, review it. And I did that a couple times for maybe a brewery and we lied once or twice and my brother said, I'm never doing that again because I'm not sucking at my soul, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to to help these people, you know, monetize. Right. And that's because you and your brother have things, what are they called? Um, ethics. Oh, moral ethics scruples. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Carly called, they didn't call, they emailed us and uh, very nice representatives talking back and forth with us, uh, they said, we'll send you the device. And just download the app, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's a little black node, and uh, it's kind of sexy looking, actually. It's got a nice matte finish to it. feels nice. Yeah, it's got a little anti-slip. Yeah. It's it's an OBT, OBD2 scanner for, yeah. your, uh, for your automobile. Uh, scan tools, they're prevalent everywhere. Years years ago, you know, if you were cheap like me, you'd just run to AutoZone or O'Reilly's and just, you know, oh, i got to check engine light. They'll yeah. scan it for free. Well, a lot of those places stopped doing that for free. Yeah. And Especially during COVID. They all pretty right. much stopped completely. Right. So it's either if you have a check engine light on your car or truck and you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to mess with it, you can go check on Amazon and get the cheapest scan tool you can. And believe me, I've done that too. And they don't tell you that much. You can really plug it in and it'll just kind of give you a code. You cross-reference it in a book or you go online. Or you Google it, YouTube yeah. it. Yeah. And it's to be honest, that's not ideal. Or the other option is you take it to an independent dealer or a mechanic and you pay the diagnostic fee and you kind of go from there. Uh, what, what Carly does is it actually puts the power a little bit more back in the consumer's hands, and it's a really affordable way to do that. And the only thing you need is the Carly Connected Car tool and an app on your phone, Apple or iPhone. Doesn't matter. I'm sorry, iPhone or Android. It doesn't matter which one you have, uh, but it's it, either one of those will work. Yeah. So I got the device first, and I download the app, and. I actually only had the freeware version because I hadn't got the registration quite right. And uh, I still tried it with the freeware version. And I'm like, you know what? I got Tree Hugger. Let me try Tree Hugger. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. This thing. Talk about finding things that I knew were secrets. And, yeah. you know, because I always talk about how I can drive Tree Hugger. And it's, oh, it's got, you know, it doesn't have any warning lights on or anything like that. It's so, a good know, running vehicle, right? Yeah, yeah, right. But, uh, and I'm, again, I'm on the freeware version of this thing. And I, I hook it in there. Well, the first thing I knew that this thing was working, the Carly device was working because it automatically went to my diagnostic mode on the screen of my radio of my truck. I'm like, I've never seen that unless you pat your head and rub your belly three times. <laughs> you can't even make that happen if you try. Technicians have to like go to the the, the books, you yeah. know, the hard books, and flip out the pages to find out how the heck to get into that menu page. So <laughs> the Carly device, boom, pulled that up. Crazy. Uh, and then – it saw – and I, I, it, for, the gal told me. She goes, you know, on Japanese cars, won't necessarily do that much. It won't, you know, it's better for German cars and maybe some American muscle cars, stuff like that. I will tell you on my Japanese 4Runner, it knew that I'm having a switch problem 
with my driver's rear door. And I've been I knew that I've been having a problem with this because every time I'd open that door, the light wouldn't come on. You know, that it would stick or whatever. Sure. And I'm like, I'll be damned. This thing it just like that. Full and I, diagnostic. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a matter of, you know, the check engine lights on or this, that. I mean, this is really like deep diving into the car. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And then after I'd, I'd done that, then uh, the representative from Carly called and said, oh, by the way, you don't have the full setup. I'm going to send you the code. And it was at that point, though, I'd handed it to you. So what do you do with this guy? So I took it home and I used it to actually check some stuff out on my uh, our, our 2007 Toyota Solera. And I kind of used it as an example. One of the examples they give you in the book, um, and they, they have some great uh, instructional videos online, things like that. Uh, this is great if you're going to say, uh, check out a car for a used car for purchase. Yeah. If it's something that's private party, you want to make sure when you go get something newer, anything you know, post OBD2, so 96 and up, it's so easy nowadays for people to turn off check engine lights or to ignore any kind of malfunction indicator warnings and any of the systems in cars nowadays by, I hate to say it, yanking a bulb. Yeah, that's still the old school way. You know, the kind of sh- the shady used car lot. Like, oh, the check engine lights on. Just get in the dash, take the bulb out, because nobody is in their right mind. You know, going to come into a, a, a situation like that, and they're going to bring you know the mechanic and all this with them. It's like a lot of times, especially at a certain dollar range, if you're buying a five thousand dollar car for your kids, yeah, or kind of a second hand vehicle for whatever you need, an old truck, something like that, you're not going to be spending tons of money. You're not going to take it to the mechanic and have them look it over. You're going to just kind of trust people at their word. In this day and age, you really can't do that anymore. So what Carly does is, I took this thing and I th- I thought, well, let's let's put this in. Let's scan the diagnostics on the Solera uh, 2007. It's got 136 thousand miles on it, and it's a little convertible that we bought last year from some friends. And we thought, hey, this would be a good opportunity to. Ha- what would I look for if I were to scan this as a used car? So I plugged it in, and it actually uh, car does not have any malfunction lights on on the dash, anything like that. Um, so I scanned it. Everything checked out fine. It does a full diagnostic scan of not only the you know the emissions, the the engines, uh, control system stuff like that, but also as Eric mentioned, powertrain, electrical, um, all the body systems there. Now you can also get in there and unlock or uh, custom tune certain features. That was one of the things they talked about on the German cars was that you could. Even like say you have a headlight setting that maybe you can't necessarily do yourself because you can't go through a touch screen on a newer car. Mm-hmm. You could actually change those settings with the Carly device on the on the app, right? Absolutely. One of the things that bothers me, and it's my wife gets on my case about this, but she's like, "Well, you just need to wear your seatbelt, and that's not a problem." Uh-oh. If Uh-oh. I turn the car on, oh, no. here's just me, and I do <laughs> obey all traffic laws and all that fun stuff. But the seatbelt chime is so annoying to me that when I'm pulling out of the driveway. <laughs> And checking the mail, or I'm, and I don't have everything 100% buckled up. It just, you know, that bong, 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 that annoying seatbelt chime. Um, what Carly can do is you can actually not only just turn it off, if you're one of those people who wants to just disable it for whatever reason, it, it actually has in the Solera and in the Tundra, I plugged into my 2017 Tundra, you can actually adjust the volume of the seatbelt chime. Nice. That's which very nice. Is one of those little things like, oh, if I had only the ability to adjust this one part. And that's what Carly does. Um, key fobs. Let's, let, let's say um, you've got the auto express down feature on your windows. A lot of cars you can um, you can actually, with the Carly system, go in and push the button twice on your remote and hold it and the uh, windows will all go down in the car. Now, besides just being cool, what's that good for? Let's say it's summer. 
Let's say you got a car that you know you want to air it out before you yeah. put the kids in. You're not going to put a, you know your your young son or daughter in a car seat in a 110 degree car. You want to cool that thing off while you're inside. You just boop boop hit that button. You can program and tailor all those parameters with the Carly system. It's it takes five seconds with the app. It's super simple to do. And something else, Eric, did you get into any of the the real time data? I did not because I, I my version because I hadn't had the licensed. I couldn't do the the streaming live data. Okay. That part's neat too. If you're kind of a geek like me and you like to know, like, after a run with a truck and towing something, what is my transmission temperature? What's the trans fluid at? Nice. You know, is my trans cooler working? Did I overheat it? Something like that. With the Carly in the system, you can actually, on your phone, using the app, you can actually see in real time, uh, you can see what your transmission temperature is, oil temperature. Um, you know, you can see a tachometer if your newer car doesn't have a tack. Oh, that's cool. There's really, there's, the world is, it's endless possibilities. So everything you described there, and I, I'm not, you know, I, I would say that I'm, I'm cutting my own nose off. This is like one of those. I sound like an infomercial. Like, oh, if you could do that, why would you come see me? Right. But realistically, customers aren't coming see me with ten year old cars saying I want to adjust the headlight, you know, off right. time or something like that. Because right. normally those settings require the factory scan tool to do that. Right. In Toyota's it, instance, it's what? The TechStream software? TechStream, yeah. So you can buy a $15 scanner or a $50 scanner, and you can do a lot of stuff on those things. You can watch live data, but you can't actually customize the vehicle. Right. Yeah. So this is something that normally – and nobody's going to sit down with a technician in their car with that scan tool software and say, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Hunters will come in and say, hey, I want to have it so that I don't have that chime when the headlights are on or whatever. When I pull up my hunting spot, I don't want that. Right. We'll – We'll do that, and we'll knock out the uh, the seatbelt chime, but it's a charge, you right. know. Yeah, it's well because and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's it's time that you're taking to to customize a vehicle per yeah. customer's yeah. Uh, request, and you're using expensive tools to do it. So it's right. not like we get that stuff for free. Carly has experience, uh, just a little bit of a brief history on the company, uh, primarily in Germany and Europe with BMW. Volkswagen, Audi, you know, things like that. And there's a little bit more tuning functionality, custom tune parts with those particular vehicles. Um, with a lot of the, the other cars globally, I think it's more of a diagnostic and small custom tune tool. Mm-hmm. What, what I use this for is, is, is information. It kind of puts the knowledge back in your hands. I'm kind of an old school guy. I grew up with, you know, carbureted V8s and very simple, you know, six cylinders and stuff like that. When when the computers started getting involved with cars, I thought, well, I don't want to have to buy all these tuners and all these you know custom components. I'm just going to take my stuff in and just deal with it. And I still do that when it comes to huge repairs. But to be honest, if it's something on that Solera where it's it's a weekend toy, it's a seasonally driven car, and it's it's one of those that I'm not going to put tons of money in. It's going to be a safe, reliable car my wife and I can drive. But I don't really want to go in and you know everything you know just. Take it to the dealer every time. Oh, yeah, it needs yeah, some work. Yeah. This puts some some information in my hands, so I can say, "Oh, it's running rich on this particular, you know, yeah. uh, catalytic converter. This side, this bank is running lean. This side's running rich. Maybe I need to change the O2 sensor, or maybe I need to, you know, do a tune up and check out the compression on this side." That is what I liked about the Carly. Is it's super intuitive. Super easy to use, and within I think five minutes, I had the the app on the phone, everything registered, and even with a not so good four G data connection, yeah. I was able to to do everything I needed to do, and I really liked it. And I yeah. think a lot of people if they got their hands on this thing. Well, actually, since this is the first time I've seen it since uh, I gave it to Daryl, so yeah. now I kind of like want to go through all my cars and check everything. Sure, I, like I said, the Forerunner 
it just it just kicked me right in the shin. Like, ha ha! Listen, sucker, you're not fooling anybody with this thing, you know. Well, and, and, I, and mine came up and said this vehicle might be unsafe or something. Did it say potentially unsafe? Yes, yes. And I did have one. Mine, mine had 14 issues. 14. Tree, tree Hucker had 14 issues. I had two small ones that caught in the Solera because of uh, it was like a electrical, like a switch thing on with the power brake booster or something. Or I, I have to look it up. I did some screenshots. I'll put it in with the post. Yeah. Nothing they needed to worry about. But it does also tell you what I liked at the end. Did it get to the end where it tells you how much money you saved in like diagnostic fees and repairs? Oh, no, I didn't see that. There's all kinds of neat little okay. things you all can right. unlock with that. So <laughs> definitely all worth right. checking out. All right. So it may sound like we're shilling for Carly, uh, but here's the deal. It would be one of those things like I was talking about earlier about having a little bit of integrity. Uh, this was actually a lot of fun. Yep. I, I'm, I am so glad that they sent this to us to play with. It was uh, it was enlightening in some ways, and uh, and actually, if you have a car that's ten to fifteen years old, you know you're probably not investing the time and, like I said, going to the shop to get these things checked. This is kind of a neat way to do it. Absolutely, you can still be a mechanic and kind of a a weekend shade tree mechanic, or or you could have a 2020 Supra and have it on there too. Who and knows? you could. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. I actually customized quite a bit on Did the Tundra. You? Oh, really? Um, yeah. Where I didn't even know this was a thing. On uh, it, mine's just an SR5. Yeah. But uh, the power lock on the side. If you take your key now and hold it. It will actually open the windows and yeah. lock. It's, Whoa. it's pretty slick. Oh. So there's all kinds of neat. It's almost like uh, do you remember the Game Genie for Nintendo yeah, or yeah, Sega? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's like the, the it's, yeah, it was like the thing you like layered in with the the, yeah. the cartridge. That's kind of what this feels so it's like. It's like a cheat code. Yeah. All but right. I, I will say, too, for folks who have any questions or concerns about, you know, oh, is this going to blow up my motor or something like that? No. Every parameter that Carly changes, it's a, fact, if you do, it's a factory parameter. It's a factory parameter. Not only thing, uh, another thing I want to point out is it does take a snapshot of everything's original settings. And much like every other computer where there's non volatile memory, you can flash it, reflash it. If for whatever reason you make a change and do some custom tuning that you don't like, you can actually revert it back to the original settings. And it's like nothing ever happened. So that's kind of your fail-safe. Um, definitely worth checking out. If you're interested, learn much more about this product than Eric and I could even tell you at MyCarly.com. That's www.MyCarly.com. And Eric, we have a little discount code. We do have a discount code, and we'll repeat this towards the end of the show. Again, it, it, it does – I'm not a shill. I don't like to sit here and sound like a shill, but this has been a lot of, a lot of fun. So uh, if you want to get involved with this, you want to try it out. It's TWA15 is the code used. That's throwing wrenches A. I don't, TWA. What, what do you think the A means? Auto, auto Automotive? That might work. Throwing wrenches automotive 15. That saves you 15% off yeah. the regular retail price. So TWA15 is the code. They originally had sent me a code of 10% off, but now they're going 15. So they must really like us is all I can think. That's right. That's right. And we know you're going to really like this device. Let us know if you have one of those out in the field. And uh, I will say this. These things are popular over in Europe. Not really such a a big market here in the States yet. I think once people get their hands on this and really have the app in their hands – they're going to know it's. this is so much better than the cheap little things you can get on Amazon that just yeah. turn your lights on and off. This yeah. actually tells you what's wrong so you can go fix it or take it professionally to that next level where you need to. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so like I said, we'll uh, give you that code later in the show as well. But uh, check it out, mycarly.com. Uh, projects, Daryl, I got – Yeah. I mean I, I don't want to drag this thing out here, but uh, did you know I took a road trip? I, I heard a thing or two. You might have put some more miles on another Toyota, and this was a different one. You yeah, it was. Right? Well, actually, this is the same truck I drove out in the uh, Mojave Desert. Oh, what, what, okay. Two years ago or one year? I, I can't remember now. It's, it, time flies. Um, so I had a, I had to work trip in Phoenix, and I flew down to Mesa on Allegiant. 
170 bucks one way. Dude, it's such a bargain. Legion is ridiculous from Peoria to, to Mesa. And uh, I was down there, and I said something to Mr. Ford. I said, hey, I'm going to be down that area. And I talked to my buddy Don, Patreon subscriber Don, and uh, said, I'm going to be in the area. We want to meet up. Maybe at spring break we can go do like some trail run or something like nice, that. Nice. Knowing that Mr. Fort had an FJ sitting in Winslow, Arizona. Like the well, Eagle song. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we talked about that too. Anyway, in my small pea brain, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Winslow, Arizona are like super close. Even though I've made that drive once, I should know better. Uh, uh, Don had to take me to Winslow after my meeting on Friday afternoon, so we got there at like five or six o'clock that night because three and a half hour drive later, you know, that's what ends up happening. <laughs> but anyway. There was snow in Sedona like crazy. We go up through the mountains. We get up towards Flagstaff and make the right to go to Winslow. And there's snow everywhere. Uh, a a buddy of Don's named uh, Vince had gone with us and he was in a Jeep. He was going to basically nail down a camping spot for us. And we were going to drive up to Winslow and get and get the FJ. It They had taken snow plows and pushed up all the snow to the gates to the entry of the park. And they were not letting anybody camp out oh, or anybody no. even go into the park. There was cars just like lined up. And I'm like, uh, this sucks. So we get to Winslow, get get some uh, you know provisions, get some beer, get some food. And uh, we're going to head, head out the trail. So there was the Little Painted Desert Park, which is north of Winslow. Beautiful spot. According to iOverlander and Gaia, there's some mapping software we use when we're going out in the field. Um, you know, there's camp spots. There's there's basically loose places where you can park your car and you can spend the night and nobody hassles you. We got out there. It's 50 degrees. It's blowing. There's no trees. And we're like, this could be the worst <laughs> spot in the world. Because I'm ground tent camping. And uh, okay. Don has a rooftop tent and Vinny is sleeping in his Jeep. They were nice enough to say, you know what? This is not a great spot. I would have done it. I would have done whatever I have to do because at that point it was 6 o'clock at night. And you're and kind we, of feeling it. And when you're in Arizona yeah. – if you're six o'clock at night and the sun's going down another hour, I mean everything's an hour drive at least, right? Yeah. So, and for for folks who aren't familiar with Winslow Flagstaff, th- this is up in the mountains, right? Yeah. This is so up north. yeah, so when you leave Phoenix, you head north, and uh, I can't remember the name of the road. Is that ten or so? I don't whatever whatever road goes to Flagstaff, you end up going up to an elevation of almost eight thousand feet to get to Flagstaff. Okay. Well, seven thousand feet is is. Uh, Sedona area, and so that's already covered snow. Flagstaff is covered snow. Winslow, I think, you come down to five or six thousand feet, but and not a snow at that point. But it's cold, high desert, and that's okay. I, I had already sent my gear out ahead, so I, I was prepared. I had my uh, four season tent. I have a zero degree down bag, and I've done this before. I've yeah, winter camped. You, you've been there before, yeah. I've, and I talked about this before because I was talking to a friend. They're like, "How do you do that?" And I, Actually, I was talking to my dad, is who I was talking to, and I said, listen, Dad, when my son was in Scouts, the first year I figured out I don't want to be cold. So I think the first <laughs> Christmas after my son was in Scouts, I got a zero-degree bag. Yeah, you spent the money and Yeah, did I did. Right. Yeah, that was $300. Yeah. And the next yeah. year I got a, a four-season a four tent, and that was like $600. No, it wasn't. That. It was like $400. I mean, I, I got like $1,000 in winter camping gear. I can handle it. Yeah. That's not a problem. Anyway, we leave the little painted desert. And we head down towards a box canyon. I think it was called Black Box Canyon or something like that. But it was getting to be nighttime, and we pull up there, and we're at 7,000 feet again, and there's snow. There's four inches of snow everywhere. (laughs) I think you sent me the picture from that. Did I? Like, here, this is where we're supposed to sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah. "Mm, No. So it'd be one thing. Don just pulls up, flips his rooftop tent, climbs in. He's good. I mean, to his credit, he still stopped, made a fire. He has a little fire pit that sits about, you know. 
the dude does it all right. Sure, he's he's, he's all set up. I'm sitting over, sitting on my ground tent in the snow, <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> anyway. Uh, got my cot. I have a thermos cot. It keeps me about two inches off the ground, and uh, it was cold that night. You did okay though. I did all right. Yeah. And, you know, had had I don't remember what we drank. Probably probably something that was warming so, and uh, <laughs> something to keep you warm, keep the chill off. <laughs> and uh, got up that next morning. I think it was another four inches of snow in the ground, man. Oh, and my tent was covered in snow. It was it was beautiful. It was picturesque. I have some of the best pictures. I I mean, I love taking landscape pictures, but there's something about that being up in the timber up in the up in the uh, evergreens and being in the snow it was it was beautiful different climate it's it, it's pretty um my uncle went to school out at, at northern arizona at flagstaff so that's the only just hearing some stories yeah. that's the only reason i kind of have a rough idea yeah. i'd love to go out there and i know my mom would like to, to check out that place too because yeah. it's just supposed to be beautiful country out yeah. that way so we ended up uh getting up that morning i i do remember don and i looked at each other i mean one of the one of the best things we want to do the reason we got provisions night four is because we're going to we're gonna cook, man. We got some sausage. We got, the, you know, we got our eggs. We got everything. We're gonna do it all right there at the campsite. We're gonna, sure. be, we're gonna be men. And I think there was also a bit, a bit of a man card thrown down with the snow. We're like, we're gonna do this. We were never gonna buckle down and get a hotel. Yeah, room. you're not no. gonna go to the Red Roof Inn. No, and- never, never was gonna happen. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna tent camp this thing out. But Don and I looked at us the next morning. Don, Don looked at me. and goes, I don't really want to cook breakfast here. And I'm like, you know what? I'm all for that. <laughs> So we, we already made it through the night. Just go get something. <laughs> so we drove about two hours down the hill. Beautiful drive, uh, and then ended up in like some nasty, nasty icy weather. Um, saw a terrible accident. Saw just just horrible conditions. But mm. got down the mountain and uh, got a nice breakfast. Sense. And at that point, we decided, you know what? It's going to suck over that way. So Eric, I know it's going to add about two hours onto your drive home, but we're going to go west of Phoenix down to a lower elevation, and we're going to camp there the next two days. And that's what we end up doing. Had a great time. It worked out. Let's, yeah. let's talk about rigs. You had the so, FJ40. Yeah, so the, my – no, my uh, FJ Cruiser. FJ Cruiser. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So it's a 2014. It's one of the last years. It was a, it's a metallic gray, but it, we had cloned the Ultimate Edition suspension, which is a remote reservoir Bilstein system on that. And uh, it's a nice running car. It's got the oh. TRD wheels with the beadlocks on it. And uh, I think it's running uh, – oh, shoot. Uh, not grabbers. It's running the uh, KO2s. Ran great. I took the tires down to twenty five, and uh, not we weren't really aggressive on the trails. I mean, Don's Don's rig is loaded to bear. With he knew he had to cover me with food and, and everything, so, so he had tons of stuff. Yeah, he had tons of stuff. And what's he wheeling with? Uh, he's wheeling with a twenty sixteen Forerunner uh, SR five. I think trail package. I don't, and he does have KDSS, I believe. So okay, yeah, nice truck. It's it's almost like Tree Hugger, you know, two point Nice. Yeah, it was a good truck. And then uh, our buddy Vinny was driving. I, is it a JK that's the long body style four-door I believe so. Jeep? That's what he had. Someone someone correct us for yeah. sure. But. Now, now, my thing is that truck is cool, and it's a Jeep, and yeah, it's got tons yeah. of space. And he was sleeping inside. He had his dog with him, uh, Kojo. Kojo was great, just a cute little puppy. Never made a bark hardly at all. Hmm. But um, every time we get on the trail, he'd have to take a hammer and start knocking out the sway bar links. And really? Like, yeah, and I. Is it got? I mean, what kind of lift and stuff on? I mean, no, I don't. Or? I don't know. I, this could be factory stock for all I know. But uh, I'm like, you got to do that every time. I, I've seen guys with like switches. I got like magnetic links, and uh, I've seen those too. I, that scares me. It scares me. You can have a solenoid just disconnect it. Well, I, and I asked him. I said, you can't just drive on the highway. I, I, I would think if you know you're going to wheel like half the day, yeah, just leave them off all the time, right? Yeah. Apparently, that vehicle is unmanageable. 
Without so, the sway bars? Yeah, so maybe mm-hmm. the oversized tires, maybe do it or something. They just put too much stress on the suspension system and just gets death wobble or something like that. Yeah, that's another consideration too yeah. that I haven't – that's one reason I haven't started messing with anything on my Tundra. First yeah. of all, I just – I'm cheap. But also it's like – it's drivable as it is. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Do you ever have that concern with any of your rigs? Like my, my Tundra, you know, we have a lift on the Tundra. We got bags on the Tundra. Yeah. Uh, I always worry that I, I would like. Well, I put thirty fives on it for a short time. Did you? And it it was awesome looking, but it drove like garbage. Okay. And I knew that my wife would not tolerate that very long, so I ended up selling those thirty fives and just going back to some stock. Like machines. a year. Yeah. Like yeah. they look good, and mm-hmm. that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I, I know uh, several other friends that have done that with their cars, and they're like, just don't, just trust me. It's like guys that modify, you know, yeah. they get a Mustang and just start throwing money in, like, don't do this. Yeah, stay stock as long don't, as you can. Don't do as I do. Yeah, <laughs> right. but it looks cool. No, don't do it. Stop. Why do I? You know, it's like your parents telling you to do something, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh well, they told me not to, so I'm going to do that. Right? I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time. So you got back. You you tried to. <laughs> Channel your inner Steve Brown, as you said in the pre-show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. drive what was it? How how long is that trip from? So where from you where left? we were at outside of Phoenix, it said tw- it, it literally said one day. I've never seen that on Google Maps ever in my life. I showed that it, was the I, as, a fact, time? as a matter of fact. Yeah, as a matter of <laughs> fact, I took a screenshot of it and I showed it to Don. I said it says one day. Yeah, don't even say hours. It doesn't say twenty three hours or fifty minutes. It says challenge one accepted. Day. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it was eight a.m. in the morning. Ah, maybe it was nine or nine thirty. I don't remember what. But I, I thought to myself, you know what? I can do this. I can just sit and chill. We separated in about 10 minutes of getting off the trail. And I started heading up. But, I mean, it was half the day later. I'm in Flagstaff. And then mm-hmm. and then by the time I crossed into the Texas border, it was 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You get into Oklahoma. We're getting into 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and uh, I think I was in Oklahoma City. It was it was about one a.m. in the morning, and I'm like, my eyes were bleary. There was construction. It was going down to one lane all the time, and I thought to myself, now normally what I would do if I was going through Kansas, if I was going through Iowa, I know there's rest stops. I'll just I'll just close my eyes for three or four hours, just take a little yeah, nap, little nappy nap, nap, and just uh, wake <laughs> up and be good to go. But I, and I'm not trying to besmirch the reputation of Oklahoma, but those rest stops were a little sketchier. A little bit. They, they felt sketchier, and Oklahoma City felt a little sketchier. So I, uh, I'm i like, I don't really – and especially in the middle of the night, 1 a.m. in the morning. It, things change. Yeah. It'd be one yeah. thing if I, I – and I've done this before where I've stopped at like 8 a.m. in the morning and rested till like 11 a.m. Yeah. It's daylight. I mean how many people can screw with you during daylight at a rest stop? But 1 a.m. in the morning. So anyway, I got I got on Expedia. I found a hotel room for $89, and uh, it was good. And the next morning they had breakfast. Even better. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, one thirty plus a shower after being out in the, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because Angela said that when I got home, she goes, "Oh, you probably want to go home and get a shower." I'm like, I had a shower in Oklahoma. I City. stayed at the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, <laughs> or something that was uh, used to be one. <laughs> yeah, right. They they got the star removed. <laughs> anyway, I it was a good breakfast. It was a good hotel. I gave them a good good review. Nice. Uh, no, I was. It was uh, it was a good run, and uh, Steve, I I just got to be honest with you. Thirty hours. Just think about Steve Brown sitting for thirty hours. Can't do it. Sipping on a couple, and I don't. And I I will say this: I did the Steve Brown in the respect that I didn't load up with a lot of food in the car. I had uh, like a can of Coke, some carrot sticks, and a bottle of water. Not bad. And yeah. I think when I stopped one time for gas, I, I brought another bottle of water up to the front and still ate carrot sticks. 
But you, I, you weren't getting the Circle K microwave burrito? No, okay. I didn't. It was very tough because I am the king of the roller dog. I mean, if you find me a Love's Truck Stop, yes. my son and I lived on roller dogs on a vacation years ago. So, Oh, they're yeah. so wrong, but oh, yeah. so right. Oh, yes, absolutely. A little, especially the jalapeno cheddar ones. Oh, so good. Anyways. <laughs> he even knows the flavor, <laughs> the variants. That's great. <laughs> It'd be awesome if there was like, uh, uh, what do I say, uh, Easter eggs at different uh, ones you could go to. Right. You know, like find oh, only in Oklahoma yeah, can they, you find you get the bacon cheddar one there, yeah, the sriracha. Anyway. The, oh, gross. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. All right. Know. I think for my grinding of the gears, I'm going to move my conversation about Sandy 1701, folks. It's another Oklahoma experience. It is an Oklahoma experience. I'm going to okay. talk about it. It, it okay. did grind my gears, and it just it rubbed me the wrong way for about 500 miles through Oklahoma. If that state is that long, anyway, it might be. All right, Darryl, well, I look forward Darryl, what to you, Yeah, that. what are you doing here, Daryl? Uh, nothing nearly as cool or as um, you always say that, but it's always cool. Diverse, not really. Um, I kind of just got tired of sitting around doing nothing. So the last few decent days, I kind of went out in the garage and puttered around. One of the things I did was I actually uh, um, got the mowers back out of storage, tidied them up, took the blades off, sharpened them with my bench grinder, and. Just that kind of stuff to get ready I for bring spring. my blades to you. What am I thinking? You certainly can. Certainly can. Um, I got tired of taking them to places and they'd sit for two weeks. I'm like, oh, are the guy who knows how to do it. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> my Dremel does it. My Dremel do it. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I got all those done, got the oil changed, and uh, made sure everything was in tip-top shape. Um, so mowers are good. Spring is going to be here. So I'm super happy about that. And then something else while I was working out in the garage looking at my – forlorn 58 Plymouth project that's just been sitting for pretty much an entire year. It'll be a year in May, and I really haven't done much but buy parts, so I bought more parts. Um, <laughs> I found uh, uh, Inline Tube makes pre-bent brake lines and fuel lines for the car. So, uh, it, And I've always been of the mindset like, oh, that's cheap. I'll just get a roll and make it my own and flare them and all that. I, I'm getting older and smarter. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I bought them. They're pre-bent. They're stainless, so they won't ever rust. I won't have any problems. Um, so those are on the way. They should be here tomorrow or Thursday. And then I'm pretty much – I have no excuse when the weather gets nice uh, for not starting to do something with it. And uh, my first goal this summer is going to be to send the motor out, send the interior out. And while those are out and I got some garage space, I'm actually going to um, p- paint the rest of the chassis. Half of it's painted. Yeah. Um, go through the brake system, go through the fuel system, new tank, new lines, new everything. Holy so smokes. everything's ready to go when I get the motor back and I can just put it together. That's the goal. That's the goal. I got wheel cylinders. I've got bearings, seals, all that stuff, shoes, master cylinder. So you, you think about like uh, – remember those wire harness charts where they'd have like a pegboard? They'd have like they'd yeah. a drawing. There's got to be some place that basically bends those fuel lines or whatever kind of the same way, right? They're like a giant template. I would think so. Okay. I remember years ago seeing those things that like yeah, the wiring harness yeah. companies or uh, even when I went to we went to Midas years ago. My dad had a 56 Chevy Nomad station wagon and he just took it to Midas cuz they're like we can bend it just like the factory. And they had a card. They had a card that they put in this machine and it was like you would I don't know how oh, they did like it. Oh, like a tube bender. Yeah. That's cool. It was a it was a hydraulic uh, you know, yeah. tube bender and they would just come in and like you know, six feet here, two inches here. This, you know, this this degree angle bend here. It's like an IBM chip, you know, those cards. It, yeah. it really was. And I'll tell you what, it was it was fun to watch. Now, do you need those? No, you can go to you know Mighty Muffler and the guy will make it work. Yeah, but just that kind of 
knowing that that stuff is out there, why wouldn't you use it? Yeah. So yeah, inline tube. I highly recommend if anybody needs something. They have a website or anything? It's just inline. Yeah, it's, I think it's called like just inline tube or inline dash tube dot com. Um, and the reason that I found them, um, I've seen them in ads years and years ago. I started looking more because guys are starting to restore. A guy, a guy in New York called me because I'm a technical advisor for the Vintage Chevrolet Club of America because I'm a nerd. <laughs> you are. They call you. They hey, do. Daryl, we've got a question for you. And guy called me. He's like, hey, uh, I want to replace the fuel lines and brake lines and trans cooler lines on my 87 Caprice Classic station wagon. Oh, God. And, of course, my first thing is like, why don't you just make them? Like, well, this car's not worth it. Then he sent me pictures, and it's like a 50,000-mile, you know. Okay, okay, it's worth it. It's a cream puff. It's got the wire wheels, the fine, white walls. Fine, twist my arm. So I'm like, I wonder if you can get those new. Inline tube has them. Inline tube has everything for any pretty much every car. So if you need, they probably have some for a tree hugger. If you ever need some brake lines, <laughs> instead of making them up, you can order them there. Uh, all right. Well, that's pretty cool. Actually, I give you give you credit because you haven't done much with the cars lately. So I'm looking. This car is going to be super cool. I mean, this is going to be like uh, it's going to be a showpiece. I think it will. I just need to. I just need to keep <laughs> motivated uh, because that's my biggest problem. I you know. I, I've always been the type that we all? I get bored with something and then I start another project. Yeah. And call it what you will. I don't know if it's, you know, ADHD or whatever. I probably have some of that, but I, I just I need to get this thing back on the road or I'm going to lose interest and sell it. And I don't want to. It's going to no. be fun. No. All right. So time for a segment of the show that maybe got lost here over the last couple of times. Daryl, are you ready for this one? Let's do it. It's time for Race Daily Kill. Daryl Daryl brought some selections this week. Thank you for bringing it back. <laughs> sure, sure. I figured, well, since it's spring, it's officially spring has sprung and you here. Pull, and you pulled up to lovely uh, La Finca here in the convertible tonight. I did, I did. The top was up because it was pouring cats and dogs, <laughs> but uh, it's almost convertible season. And, you know, being a convertible owner yourself, yes, you yeah. probably appreciate yes, that. Yes, So we're going to go oh, actually. Own a Target, too. Do, who, oh, you but, do. But who's keeping track? A Target top sports car. <laughs> but we're actually going to go across the pond for a little British Roadster action here. A little, oh, behave. Yeah, I got a picture of Austin Powers. I'll throw that in there because, you know. Yeah, baby. You got you to gotta throw that I, as you're talking I, 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 we need a soundboard, man. This is soundboard we material. Yeah. We do. So for this installment of Race Daily Kill, here are our three choices, and I would love to hear your picks here, Eric. But uh, first and foremost, this I blame on Gabe Casey because he and I were going back and forth about Triumph Spitfires a couple weeks ago. You know what's great? When you go off the grid like I was for three days yeah. and then you finally get back on the grid and then your phone like blows up with a million pings, oh, it's just Gabe and, yeah. and Daryl going back and forth over some nonsense. And that's usually what happens. You know, 34 missed Got messages. the HJ going back in. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, a friend came over. He's an electrical engineer. Oh, he found the connections were loose. I'm like, oh, my God. 24 volt wild and wired in sequence and diesel. <laughs> we're nerds. That's what we're, we're all friendly nerds. We, we, we can own up to yeah. that. But anyways, there was an old Spitfire for sale that came up. It was cheap. And I'm like, oh, who needs it? And then he was mad because I wouldn't go look at it with him and stuff. Anyways, um, so shout out to him. Anyways, this is what started it. So our three choices this week, 62 to 1980 Triumph Spitfire. Everybody remembers those cute little uh, roadsters. 1962 to 1980 MG MGB Roadster. Or the third choice, which is kind of the oddball, but in a cute way, mm-hmm. a 1958 to 1971 Austin Healey Sprite, otherwise known as the Bug-Eye Sprite. But they also made a, a later Sprite that was not so bug-eyed, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a little more normal. But those are our three choices. 
Um, original MSRPs on all these are right around 2000 give or take. Uh, and it's original, so the first year they came out, you know, someone's like, well, in 1978, they were actually 3500 Like, okay, fine, whatever. But this is – if we're going back to like true roots, this is what we're thinking. It's about a uh, $2,000 British sports car from their time. All these have four-cylinder engines of various horsepowers ratings, uh, anywhere between mid-40s all the way up to 95 horse. And as you'll see, Eric, the uh, the MGB clearly has the, the edge in the horsepower department. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm curious to hear what your picks are. If you had to pick one to race, one to daily, and one to kill, what would your choices be here given this lineup? Okay, well, I, I, I'm a sucker for the Triumph. I mean, the, the looks of the Triumph are very sleek. I love the rear end of that car. Actually, that, that might be – is that me dropping out? That was no, this time. No, you know what it is. It's not – it's not the microphones. It's the headphone. It's adapter. the headphone. It is. All right. All right. No reason to panic, folks. We're still here. Um, the Triumph is beautiful. It has the long body. I think that car has an elegance to it that uh, just screams daily. But the MG, I mean, realistically, that's the car that if I if I run this thing into a pothole and it all falls apart and falls through with rust, I'll get MG parts all day long. And I'll spend a lot less money than I will on that Triumph. And I learned from a couple shows ago when Triumph made that V8 engine that completely blew. That was made of glass. <laughs> it was just disintegrated. That, that I already have a virtual bad taste in my mouth from the Triumph models. So yeah. I'm thinking that maybe the MG now is going to be my daily driver. You know, it's funny you say that because a couple friends have actually picked these up in the last couple years. Yeah. And they are still affordable. Yeah. And like you said, you can still get parts for yeah. them. And it seems like a lot of the ones that do pop up for sale are still very low mileage because yeah. around here in the Midwest, they're seasonal cars. They only yeah. get driven six months, if that. Yeah. So, but, uh, but, but I'm going to keep sliding the scale here because realistically, yeah. if I'm talking about cheap parts and it's going to be a daily, well, I'll just make that my race car because I'm going to daily the Austin Healey because I'm going to tell you, those bug eyes to me – are sweet, and I'm going to get everybody look over me when I'm cruising around Peoria Heights, and I go down to the, you know, get some ice cream or something. And I'm up there, yeah, you know, pulling into the the pub or something. W. Sullivan's. I park right out front. It was ooh, what's that? Ooh, yeah, it's my Austin Healey Sprite. You know, ooh, he ooh. must be rich. You're he like, must be rich. I yep. paid eight grand for it. <laughs> so the Healey <laughs> is going to get the daily driver, even though I know it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. The MG, I'm going to race like a fiend because again, every time it falls apart on the track. It's cool. I don't care. I'll blow it up. I'll get an engine. Not a big deal. But that Triumph, she's going right down to the trash. Sorry. I'm killing the Triumph, Daryl. I didn't see it going that way for you, but that's <laughs> that's why we do this. This is what this segment is about. Tell me, Daryl. What's your secret? What are you going to do? Well, I uh, <clears throat> I actually have a, a, an Austin Healey Sprite story, and it actually does involve – I was at a local establishment called the Fox Pub. Ah. Uh, folks around here in Central Illinois know what that is. It's a great little place here in Peoria. Uh, but a guy was – I was sitting outside. It was a nice day and a guy rolls up in a red 58 or 9 Sprite and he gets out and it's just exactly like you're saying. Uh, a bunch of people are like, oh, what's that? Oh, that's a cool car. I like your car. He's a younger dude. I stole your story. And he's like, hey. It could have been me in my virtual land. It could have been. He's like, I bet uh, I bet none of you people out here know what this is. <laughs> Oh, and then Mr. Mr. Hemmings Motor News. Like, yeah. Oh, I know what it is. It's a 1958 Sprite. Yeah, it's uh, nice to Sprite. And I'm sitting over here drinking like a Boddington's Pub Ale or something with a stupid hat on. And like a couple of my friends are with me and they just like look the other way because they're so embarrassed. Yeah, like, oh, God, here we go. Dude throws me the keys. Whoa. He goes, take it for a spin around the block. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, do you trust me? You don't even know me. He's like, you're cool. And I did. 
And I took it around. <laughs> you know, you know who this guy, Do you know who this guy is? Had no idea. And you still don't know who he is. I do now. Okay, okay. Yeah, he actually is a, a mutual friends, um, and he's he's there quite often, um, as is, <laughs> I used to be as well. But it's a, it was a tight fit to get in there. But once I was in, I'll tell you what: all forty six horses, it was like a nine hundred and forty eight cc little four cylinder, tiny little thing. And I'm a big guy. Once I was in there, though, it was like remember the first time you got into an awesome go kart, not just like the crappy go kart at the county fair, but like one that had some yeah, some guts. Yeah, yeah, that's what this felt like. I was instantly I was I was ten years old and I was behind the wheel of like the coolest little go kart ever. And with a little glass pack buzzing around that strip mall parking lot where that yeah. pub is, I felt like I had the biggest smile on my face. And I had a picture. Uh, Matt, the Rixner, the owner yeah. of the bar, actually came out and took a picture. Like I can't believe you fit in this thing. <laughs> he took a picture. Hey, of screw it. you, Matt. I want a free beer. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I actually uh, – he sent it to me. I don't know where the heck it is. Probably on a phone I dropped or something. But it was a great time. I love these cars. Having said that, getting in and out of it just like any other small car is embarrassing. I can't do it again. So for that reason, this thing's got to get killed. So I would actually race <laughs> – I love this Sprite. Did, great didn't, car. Didn't see this going. No. Didn't see it going. Okay. I would actually race the MGB because you know 95 horsepower, 1,798cc motor, little four-cylinder. You can actually get these with overdrive. But I think I would race this. I think it would be a fun little rally car. And as you said, parts are are totally plentiful. I would daily the Triumph because, like you said, I, I think it's sophisticated. I like the long bonnet. Yeah. I like the, the, you know, boot. the sculpted back. It's The designer of this is uh, – if you look him up, it's Michelotti who did a lot of just really cool sports cars of that era from different makes. It's a, it's a sexy little car. And my uncle had two of these things. So I had childhood memories of these things. I also yeah. like the little levers on the side of the bonnet. The hood flips up. Yeah. And it's got these cool little polished chrome uh, little latches. I just loved them. So I would I would do that. And then I would have to kill the Sprite, unfortunately. It's a cute little <sighs> thing, but it's a bug and I'd have to kill it. So I think the, the one thing that's missing from the descriptors on here would possibly be – Wheelbase, wheelbase, or curb weight. I couldn't yeah. find curb weight on okay. two of them. Okay, because I think the, I, I, the Sprite, I couldn't really put a relationship on that versus the MG. Yeah, to see, you know, are they pretty close or are they way different? I mean, is there eight inches difference or are they, you know, two inches different? I don't know. I would say that's there's a noticeable difference between that and the other two. Hmm. Um, I want to say they're all under two thousand pound curb weight. Yeah, I think they're all like seventeen between like seventeen and nineteen hundred yeah. pounds, something like that. Well, congratulations, sir! You picked out some fine European convertibles. That was fun. Ah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you actually surprised me with that pick. So <laughs> that's good. All right, moving on to the next section of the show. We're going to move into the news, and we always start the news section with the international news. Daryl. Let's add some insult to injury. Let's do that. Yeah. Renaissance Electronic Corp., one of the biggest makers of automotive chips, said a fire halted production in one of its Japanese plants. The incident may exacerbate a shortage of semiconductors that has already curbed vehicle output across the industry. The company said it's still trying to ascertain the amount of damage in the clean room of the N3 building at Hichidakana, Iberia Perfect or whatever. Uh, there are no casualties. Clean rooms are designed to keep impurities from contaminating semiconductors. So fire damage has the potential to severely disable production. That's from Bloomberg. We'll share that article online. If you don't know anything about this story, go back to our last episode with Dean Plumador, and yeah. you'll know more than you should ever know about microchip production. Yeah, and if you hear anything saying chips are not being produced in this factory in this country, that's just bad, bad news on top of bad news. Exactly. That just exacerbates 
That's been the big word lately. It does. Yeah, exacerbates. Yeah, it's. I, I'm. I'm glad we picked a different word than iconic. Or <laughs> what was the other one last year? Unprecedented. Unprecedented. I was so tired of hearing that. Um, in other international news, Lamborghini reported some record profits in 2020, even as its wealthy customers, especially in China, rode the global bull market. Isn't Lamborghini symbol a bull? I think so. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Is, that, is that like oh, reporter that's kind of, humor? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Despite a mandatory factory shutdown of over two months during the COVID pandemic, the raging bull, again, of the automotive world delivered 7,430 cars. writing this schlock? Oh, CNBC. Okay. CNBC. In 2020. So uh, 7,400 cars a year. And down only 9% from the record high in 2019. Sales topped euros six, I'm sorry, 1.6 billion euros. That's down 11% from 2019. And the company said the profits increased to a record high as customers ordered more pricey and highly customized cars. I will say, I've been trying to deal on a Lambo this year and they've been particularly hard. I didn't yeah, realize you know, sales have been so strong. That makes a lot of sense. Are you looking at Carvana? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you just drop off my, uh, I got to sell like a convertible to trade. Anyway. What do you mean you won't deal? Yeah. Do you know who I am? Carlos Ghosn. Carlos Ghosn. Former Renault Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn. All right. It's that time. It's Carlos Ghosn news. We did talk about the Taylor brother or the Taylor father and son situation on a couple episodes ago. But, Daryl, there were far more people involved than a couple guys from Boston getting Carlos out of Japan. Wasn't just those two guys. No. According to the Associated Press, uh, coming out of Istanbul, a Turkish court has convicted an executive of the Turkish jet company – MNG and two pilots for migrant smuggling. I didn't even know that was a thing. Over the role of flying former Nissan co-chairman Carlos Ghosn out of Japan during his escape to Lebanon just over a year ago. The court sentenced them to four years and two months in jail, although their lawyer said they were not expected to serve the time in prison as they'd already been detained for several months. Two other pilots and a flight attendant were acquitted while charges were dropped against another flight attendant. You know she was the narc, right? Probably. Probably. And getting back to the Taylor uh, uh, father and son team, I, you know, I got to be careful on this news because if there's ever like green berets outside my house shooting random shots, I'll, I'll know it's from these stories, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I hope that never happens, but this is why. <laughs> According to BBC News, the U.S. Supreme Court last month cleared the way for the extradition of the Taylors who've been in U.S. custody since May. They were handed over to Japanese officials early on Monday. According to their lawyers, prosecutors said the pair had received $1.3 million to help Mr. Gone escape from Japan on December 29th of 2019. Michael Taylor, he's a 60-year-old private security specialist with US, and a U.S. Army Special Forces veteran. He once ran American International Security Corporation, a military contractor that focused on helping people escape difficult situations. Uh, and his son was Peter Taylor, by the way. Uh, according to the profile in Vanity Fair, he was uh, completed nearly two dozen escape operations, charging clients anywhere from 20000 to $2 million per job. Daryl, on a side note, yeah. Duran Duran had three tailors in the band. There was Roger, Andy, and John. None, as far as we know, in this episode are related to the tailors from Boston. I, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. But. but anyway, the difficult situations job sector. I'm just not sure if that's uh, – is that an up-and-coming sector? Do you think we, we should invest our Bitcoin in that? There might be some, some – I don't know. Is it an emerging market? Maybe. Maybe. 
Um, this show might become a difficult situation here pretty soon. <laughs> it might. I'll tell you what. The thing that gets me about this whole thing is the, the charge about migrant smuggling. And it yeah. might just be because that's what laws are on the books now. Yeah. There isn't one for like – you know, pampered CEO smuggling or <laughs> yeah, rich uh, guy smuggling, rich guy who's yeah. wanted in several other countries smuggling. Yeah. So there's probably not a charge for that, but you know, migrant smuggling. I, I, I just it besmirches the the term migrant in yeah. my mind. If you're a and he was 1.2 million is what he paid. Yeah, yeah. He so got out. I mean, who are the guys who got smuggled in other difficult situations for, for 20, 20, 20 grand? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I'll do you for twenty. Yeah. How much? Are you? Uh, I'll do you for one point two. Yeah, yeah. Hey, supply and demand, baby. I'm in Kokomo. I need to get out of Kokomo. <laughs> I, need, I need to escape. I'm in a sticky situation over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you get? Can you get me to Gary? Okay. <laughs> twenty G's for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's skip ahead to this next one here. So Nissan is according to national news here. Nissan North America is recalling. 126,000 vehicles plus because of potential tire tire failure, Daryl. The uh, recall includes 2019 and 2020 Altimas, 2018 and 21 Titans. They're equipped with Continental tires, which honestly I would normally tell your Continental tires are pretty good. One of the tires on the vehicle in question may have been cured too long during production. So I'm guessing it was in the the hot box too long. The easy bake oven? Yeah, the easy bake. Sidewalls on the overcured tires could break, leading to rapid Rapid air loss. I mean, if the tire breaks, rapid air loss would be a descriptor. It's a side effect. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. Anyway, belt edge separation may also occur, which could lead to a tread and belt loss. Hey, now. Basically, this means uncontrolled driving. All right. Either condition can cause a loss of vehicle control, increasing the risk of a crash, according to the recall notice. That's from Automotive News. We'll put a link to that. Uh, so if you're driving an Altima or a Titan, a fairly recent mileage, I would uh, get those tires checked. And Titan's the big truck, right? Is yeah. That, okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, all right, so we're actually going to focus on some events that are supposed to start winding back up in 2021. Denver Auto Show looks to be roaring back here in this uh, this calendar year. Colorado Automobile Dealers Association President Tim Jackson says the Denver Auto Show, which uh, we haven't really heard of too I've much. never heard of it. <laughs> I'm slated. sure the people in Denver haven't heard of the Peoria Auto Show either. No, right? they probably haven't. I've heard of Peoria. They must have an auto show. Is it a vaudeville town? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it was slated to return in September as an outdoor event. Event with a number of safety measures in place for attendees. And that's according to Automotive News. Uh, something Eric and I noticed a couple shows ago, it basically seemed like the car show season for all of 2021 was kind of just flat. We're just not doing them, period. Um, North American one, I think the New York and L.A. one. If, if Detroit and New York and Chicago aren't doing them, and I think L.A., yeah, it's another one, but uh, really Detroit and New York are the big ones, and Huge. Chicago kind of is like one of the, I'd say one of the top three, maybe, yeah. All yeah. Right, loosely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if those three aren't happening, I'm not sure what's going to happen in Denver. Good for them. But I, I just don't see Denver being that progressive that they're going to get that much traffic or, you know, with social distancing. is even worth the time. I don't know. And especially when a lot of the big uh, manufacturers were saying we just aren't going to do shows, period. Yeah. And this was yeah. pre- this is pre-pandemic. It well, was for yeah, cost and, reasons. And, and the show, I mean, the, the manufacturers who send the field reps out, mm-hmm. you know, they're licensing all these people to be out there. So at what point do they go, you know what? It's a Denver show. Denver de- and the dealers pay for it. Be like Denver yeah. dealers. It's your it's your baby. You do whatever you want, right? Yeah. You know what though? If they do have some modicum of success with this, maybe that's a sign that things are getting back to normal, as we're seeing in a the lot of normal. other industries. The new the, normal. The new normal. Yeah. And speaking of the new normal, I just want to touch on this, Eric, real quick. Yeah, I want you to talk about this one because I, I cannot speak to 
this. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's bizarre. So the other day I was flipping through uh, some reviews online and I saw something about a diesel Cadillac Escalade. I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I wonder who built that. Uh, turns out it's Cadillac, <laughs> actually, General <laughs> Motors. Duh. After four decades, GM is actually betting that uh, few mileage-conscious luxury barge buyers, all 300 of them. Luxury barge. Uh, okay. th- they're going to start snapping up their latest creation, which is the diesel-powered Escalade, the big SUV that costs as much as a house. In fact, you can actually get the 3-liter Duramax inline six-cylinder in a few uh, GM trucks and SUVs like the Escalade, the Yukon, Suburban, and uh, Silverado and Sierra trucks. By all measures, that should do just fine. It uh, features pretty stout casting, 277 horse, and 460 pound-feet of torque to propel the uh, giant Luxo barge to highway speeds, all while getting a respectable 33 miles per gallon. That's strong mileage. It's really good. And I think they said city highway, I'm sorry, city mileage was in the low 20s, like 21, 22, which is awesome for something that big. Now, what's the problem? Well, it seems like Americans are still clueless about diesel. Remember, we got burned back when GM introduced him, along with others, but big flop on GM's part introducing diesels in the late 70s to early 80s. I think you could get diesel-powered um, Cadillacs, Oldsmobiles, Buicks, Pontiacs, and Chevrolets from 78 to 85. They had a huge recall, class action lawsuits. My grandparents actually had an 81 Cadillac with that 350 oh, yeah, diesel. Yeah. It was just bad news. Now, they wound up rebuilding them. I think they had is it Perkins. Or <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. Cadillacs, or, sorry, uh, Caterpillar, or Perkins, diesel. Somebody went through and redid them. They put head studs in, and the the rebuilt ones are still on the road if you're into that sort of thing. But uh, this is also the same General Motors that pledged to end all diesel and gas vehicles by 2035 and become a carbon-neutral company by 2040. So, yeah, I guess diesels are cool now, but, uh, you know, don't look for an injector pump for your 2021 Escalade in 20 years because it's just not going to happen. I'll 3D print it with a metal printer, Daryl. I'll do whatever I want. Oh, okay. Actually, I'll ask my kid to do it because I don't know how to run the 3D metal printer. (laughs) Firmware update? What's this mean? (laughs) Uh, Hell with it. I'm just going to buy my... uh, 80s Cadillac instead and put a diesel motor in it. I don't know. Interesting story. I had no idea that was a thing. I like this. This is Source Daryl. So did you make this story up or did you read it somewhere? I wrote all this. I understand I wrote it with my big, there's some, big words. There's some hot links in there, though, so you must there have... You, you must motor have Trend. I just... Uh, I, okay. That's a Motor Trend link I'll put okay. in there for... Uh, it's a review. So it's where I got the specs. <laughs> and then this is the Forbes article where they talk... Mary okay. Barra was like, in oh, January. Mary Barra, yeah. January's like, oh, we're going to end... I didn't want to make a diesel, but they made me. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too. GM historically has fumbled because they've come back with diesel motors. They had a diesel-powered Chevy Cruze. Great running well, car. Well, this Colorado truck, everybody loves. I mean, they, the they talk about loving it, but I, I've yet to really see any of those in the action. You know, and I was on the trails. Yeah. Know, it's it's Jeeps and Toyotas everywhere. Right. I never saw a Ranger. I never right. saw a Colorado anywhere. Right. So, yeah. I know this. I know those exist, and there's some people that are super into it, but you 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 don't see the aftermarket support right now, and you don't see GM and Ford. They're not advertising it. Yeah. Dodge. Dodge had an eco diesel. Everybody th- knows the g- giant Cummins five nine or whatever it is now six seven six four. Everybody knows that you know the Cummins is the one to have. Mm-hmm. For a while, they started putting a small eco diesel, which I think was a, a Mercedes diesel or now oh, it's prob- probably so. Yeah, and that was a great thing. Same thing. You got a huge truck with thirty mile per gallon range. I think Ford even has a small six cylinder uh, power stroke diesel yep. Yep. in the F one fifty. Nobody's promoting that. I don't understand why. Because if hmm. you had the choice, 
Now, again, I'm not a huge diesel guy. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> Ask I, Gabe. I, think, I don't I th- know. <laughs> yeah, I think the new diesel thing, though, with the urea and the emission standards, yeah. um, for how much you spend on them, I mean, you got to, what, spend twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 more sometimes on some of these bigger ones? Yeah, there's premium. Yeah, yeah, yeah seven, seven, nine. And grand. then the maintenance costs over the lifetime, it's just, it's not worth it. Yeah, to a lot of people, it's not. I mean, 33 miles a gallon, though, is pretty strong. Although yeah. I was the other day, I was somewhere and I saw an off ramp. There was two of those big giant urea buckets. They're like gallon jugs, mm-hmm. just sitting there on the side of the road, where somebody must have had a breakdown or something. Almost like that's really practical. You couldn't throw them in the bed of the vehicle because unless it was a Cadillac. See a Cadillac, you wouldn't want those you in the back because you'd <laughs> you smell them. them. So likely, it wasn't a truck owner who did that. It was an Escalade owner. Absolutely, that's what it was. Scumbag. Now, if you, if you want to know my extent of diesel expertise, you can ask Gabe Casey about my. Terrible troubleshooting abilities on right. diesels. Well, Gabe loves when we talk about him on the show. That's free advertisement. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, forts, 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 forts. We'll we'll throw some <laughs> we'll throw some sponsors in there. <laughs> anyway, uh, local news. Actually, I pulled into a gas station somewhere in Oklahoma, and I this is when I knew that I probably need to stop because <laughs> I almost put methanol in my car. They so, they get a meth problem out there. No, they methanol at the pump. Yes, there were pumps for methanol. Or something. It were silver handled pumps, and they were different. And I put my credit card in there. And I'm like, and I looked at the handle, and I and I, and it said pick what grade you want. And the grades were not. They were like alien language to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the wrong spot or something like that. Well, those hieroglyphics. What yeah, is that? Yeah. No, I, I tell you what. I know the the altitudes. They change the octane ratings. Well, no, and I accidentally put 86 at one point in the vehicle, but uh, it didn't. No check engine light came on. I'm sorry. She didn't I'm like so, it. I'm sorry, Forts. Uh, no, but they, uh, what, do they call methanol? Or is that E85 out there? No, I don't. I, maybe. E, I, what's the other one? E15 or whatever. That, I, that could have been that. Okay. Because I know that's been a thing. I'll bet too. that's. What, I'll bet that's what it was. I, that 15 number sounds right. But anyway, it threw me for a loop. And that's at that point, I'm like. Then I went to Wendy's and I got a Frosty. <laughs> I had to clear my head and get a Frosty and a Biggie Fry. Absolutely. Fine. Absolutely, man. Anyway. That's weird. Well, and I know methanol for turbocharged cars. There's meth injection, stuff like that. But I don't think they sell that at a pump. I think it's an additive. You just throw in a tank and yeah. keep your – No, this was definitely for pumping a whole whole vehicle full. Interesting. All right. Local news. Uh, this came from the Detroit Free Press. A decade ago, he started a museum in Pontiac – in Pontiac, Illinois, folks, it's a museum for Pontiac vehicles in Pontiac, Illinois, in the middle of nowhere. Well, all right, I gave the cats out of the bag. The middle of nowhere apparently is Pontiac, Illinois, which I grew up near Pontiac. It's kind of an insult. Anyway, is it the center of the it's, nowhere? It, it's the uh, the county seat of Tazewell or Lincoln, Livingston, Livingston County. Hello. Anyway, that's your that's your old stomping ground. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I, I definitely paid a ticket there once or twice. I think it is a jury duty too. <laughs> anyway, in the middle of nowhere, opening that small museum in a small town on historic Route 66. That's a road I used to travel long before Interstate 55 was even created. It brought visitors from all around the world. The admission is free, but many of those vi- visitors still leave real money behind while ogling GM's dead brand. Now the Pontiac Preneur wants to expand to a new museum in the other Pontiac. Tim Dye says Pontiac Transportation Museum that he's creating inside the former elementary school just west of downtown Pontiac, Michigan, can do even better than his original free spot. So I'm a little disappointed because he's leaving Pontiac, Illinois, go to Pontiac, Michigan. But I always thought when I was a kid that, you know, Pontiac, Illinois, that's pretty cool. Is that where the Pontiac cars came from? No, it's just a cool museum in Pontiac, Illinois. So yeah, never been there. 
I've not been to the museum. No, it's a popular place for car clubs and you know people take tours yep. and, and stuff like that. I've never been, but I think there's also there's that there's like a, a World War II museum. There's, there's th- a couple of museums downtown. A couple yeah, of them. Yeah, and of course they have the wall dogs murals everywhere. It's it, Pontiac has really turned into a destination. I think largely in part because of the Route 66 connection. Yep. But then also it's a nice halfway point between like Chicago and say Springfield. I know Bloomington is. Yeah. But to be honest, but it's a but it's a real small town you can stop yeah. at because really, other than uh, Dwight, maybe, uh, yeah, Dwight, Pontiac, uh, Lincoln, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a few towns you could actually stop and have a burger, yeah. you know, and kind of check out the the atmosphere. But yeah, there's not a whole lot. Definitely, definitely on uh, my list of things to do, and I know that they have in May. I think it's back on this year, but they traditionally have like a red carpet corridor festival along Route 66, and I think it's from like Pontiac to like. Bloomington, like hmm. Lexington, Tawanda, like all those you know kind of towns along the way. Yeah, they all have something, and I think one of the stops is Pontiac, obviously because the museums. Yeah, so. yeah. Kemp's Upper Tap. That's on Route Six Six. Oh my gosh, yeah. love that! Shout well. out, <laughs> great place in Lexington, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, and this story, Daryl, you tracked this down today just in time for the episode. Yeah. I am. This is Pekin, Illinois news. If you don't know, folks. Pekin is like my adopted hometown. I love Pekin. So what is this? This is a story that I caught uh, just moments before I came over here. Electric school buses coming to Pekin. Uh, The Pekin and Hollis school districts, I think that's somewhere in central Illinois. Not sure where. That's on me. Uh, Anyways, Pekin, we'll just focus on them. They're touting some of the state's first electric-powered school buses. The buses were purchased with $882,000 in funds from an $8.6 million E.D. Edwards power plant settlement. As part of a Clean Air Act lawsuit settlement, and I believe this is because the plants were in non-attainment status, according to the EPA. It's and what's $880,000 between friends, Gary? Right, right. Yeah. Old coal-fired plants that I think are shutting down in a few years anyways. Anyways, the plant's owners, as a result of that suit, are required to pay some money out to benefit the region impacted by the pollutants. The plant is also mandated to shutter by the end of next year. Chad Jones is superintendent of Hollis Community Unit School District 328 in rural Peoria County. And uh, he's just loving it, loving it because it's just a good thing for his community. He says school district there in Hollis has just one school bus. Jones joked it's the first district in the country to take the school bus fleet fully electric. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. And he, and he says something that cleans the air that the kids breathe, merely reduces the con- contribution to climate change. Replacing our diesel bus with electric bus will benefit the kids with respiratory issues like asthma, also reduce school absences. You know, it's funny that coal plant was just sitting on the other side of the river in Bartonville just blowing those coal fumes just, just directly. into, into, into Pekin. So I, I think if anybody deserves a little restitution, it might be those Pekin kids. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But then also if that plant is scheduled to shut down – in the next calendar year or two, what's going to power the electric windmills, Daryl? Windmills, windmills. charge the buses, Sol- solar panels. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. Now we we actually, I don't, I don't want to speak for Eric, but I I think this is actually something a type of vehicle like a school bus is probably yes. p- perfect. Yeah application of an electric vehicle, don't you Well, think? I mean, what's the difference between this and like the old-style trolley car? Remember, a trolley car would run on electric, but then it would kick on a gas if it was on the lines. I mean, right. you you would think, honestly, you could run an electric bus just on a small route. And and so you plug it in. It would be nice if it could like charge itself while it's going down. But regenerative braking. Yeah. I, I think a small route, if you know every day that vehicle's putting on 150 miles, mm-hmm. I mean, 
that works out pretty ideal. Yep. It, you're never going to take that bus go, oh, it's an emergency. We got to go to Chicago. That right. isn't going to be the conversation with that vehicle. This is a, a, a one-purpose vehicle. So I, I can see the advantage of being an electric. Yep. We do too. Uh, I, I think that this and things like delivery vehicles, things that have a, a defined route every day, it doesn't really venture off the beaten path too much. I think it's a perfect application. But again, I always come back to, but where's the power going to come from? And if we're talking about shutting down coal-fired plants, I mean, we used to have a lot more in this region. They're slowly starting to be phased out or retired. And, you know, rightfully so. Some of those were built in the 40s, 50s. I mean, they are probably not the cleanest producing plant. But by and large, we're not getting anything from sunshine and, uh, you know, roses. I, I will say this. Like my neighbor, he's got like 50 solar panels next door. Is it? I mean, his is whole, fully his whole, solar. His whole garage is covered with them. So, yeah. if you can roll back your meter, which was always my beef when I lived out in Green Valley, is like I, I would do a solar panel. But back in the day, Amron didn't have a mandate that they would have to roll back your meter. Right. So back then, you're like, oh, screw this. Why would I invest the money just so I could have a zero? I'd, I'd rather, rather absorb some of it and then reuse it later on. But uh, now, sure. now there's advantages of doing solar. Now the other problem I have is the amount of footprint. Do I yeah. want? Do I want to have like 50 square feet in my yard? You've got the acreage. Fifty is probably even. That's it's probably more like 120 or 200 square feet, right? I mean, it's a big space. I'm curious to see. I know a couple people have real world solar installations, yeah. but I've only seen them in you know at night. And I, I've looked at it. I have to have an array. I can't do it on my roof like my neighbor because my barn doesn't face the right way. Mm. My wife doesn't understand this. Our, our barn faces east west. Okay, like, honey, you're only getting like 30 percent of the value out of that. You have to turn it so it's facing the sun. She's like, well, that doesn't. That'll look ugly. I'm like. Exactly. Exactly. So So we're not going to do it. Let's just get the solar (laughs) dream out of our brain anyway. Uh, Someday. Is it that time? Speaking of science fiction, Daryl, are you ready? I think think it's time. It's been a long time. Yeah, let's let's get back in the groove. All right. It's time for your Moment of Muscle. The Chinese are not happy with Elon. I don't know if you're aware of this, Daryl. That's trouble in paradise. The Chinese military has banned Tesla cars from entering its complexes, citing security concerns over cameras installed in the vehicles. Two people who have seen notices of this directive told Reuters. So apparently there are some Chinese spies giving information to Reuters. The move is the latest sign of China's growing scrutiny over the U.S. electric car maker and tensions with Washington. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Elon had a response, Daryl. Of course he did. Yes, Elon. I looked all over and I waited days and days for the response. And three days later, Elon, speaking to Chinese officials, said, there's a very strong incentive for us to be very confidential with this information. I should say it like Elon if Tesla, I can't do it. Sorry. If Tesla used cars to spy on China or anywhere, <laughs> we will get shut down. Boom. Done. I mean, that's reassurance, right? Yeah, that's all I needed. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's all, all right. China needed. Yeah. That's your moment of must. Oh, Elon, that's probably not strong enough, Elon. I think you're probably going to have to come up with a little more material. Did he that. phone that in? Was that the- <laughs> They'll shut Boom. us down. Boom. Done. Who's they? I mean, we will get shut down. As but if. It- all of that information isn't sitting on a server somewhere, multiple servers. Come on. Anyway, I just I, – I, the reality is there's so much information in a Tesla car and they feed so much information back to the manufacturer. I can see why China or any government, whether, yeah. whether it's uh, Russia, Cuba, North Korea, I mean there, there's reasons now you would never want those cars just like we don't want those, those wah-bang phones or whatever in the United States. Yeah. You, you don't want a Tesla car driving around China, right? 
Well, it feeds back information back to the United States. Somewhere, even if it's just mapping the road in front of where it's driving, yeah. that information, you know, maybe there's some stuff over there we, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to see uh, if, we're, if we're China. No yeah. one shared. Yeah. Interesting story. Did you see the other story? I think you might have been out camping when this happened. But Elon changed his name, his title – uh, at the Tesla Corporation. No, I did, just, should this be a mini moment of Musk? It might be just a mini thing. Okay. Mini, mini moment of Musk. Thank you. Yeah, he actually applied, I believe, with the Securities Exchange Commission to change his job title at Tesla. To? To the techno king of Tesla. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's a real story. It's not fake. He That's his title now. And that's your mini, mini moment of Musk. All right. Two double whammy Elon stories. All right. Uh, the show is getting long, but we're gonna, we got a couple more segments here. Grinding of the gears. Daryl, I promised you I had a story about going through Oklahoma. Yeah. I'll make this quick. Let's hear it. All right. So far, I, I'm gathering your impression of Oklahoma is not the greatest. <laughs> I don't think you're looking for properties. You and Mrs. Stahl are going to be you know, searching for vacation homes. I, I like the place, generally speaking. But uh, I got to the, the tollway on 44, mm-hmm. and I – I didn't. I knew it was a tollway, but if you're in Illinois and you're on a tollway, you roll up there and, and you give them your credit card, you get a tag. A lot of places just give you a ticket, and sure. then as you end up through the state, they say, oh, you went through 28 places, now you owe $28. Whatever. Pay online Whatever, yeah. you know. So I get to the tollway spot, I pull off them in the cash, and there's a lot of people. The line is really long. And the, and the semi in front of me, I swear to God, I sat there for seven or eight minutes waiting. I'm like, what is going on? And everybody else is waiting this long, too. So I get up there and I roll up and I'm literally holding out my SEFQ debit card. And the gal looks at me like, we don't take cards. It needs to be cash. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I don't have cash. Oh, then you're out of luck. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what do you do, throw me off the road? Right. She goes, well, there's a process you got to go through. And so all of a sudden it's just I could tell she was put out. Listen, lady, the reason I'm from out-of-state plates and I'm in the cash-only lane, you have to deal with this a million times a day. Yeah, they're so visitors to the state, most goes, of them. I'm going to fill out this envelope for you, and you have to pay this when you get off the tollway. Are you going all the way through? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Where does that go? She goes, well, it's by Tulsa. If you go through Tulsa, you got to go to an ATM. you got to get off the road, and you got to pay because if you don't, the, the highway – Transport or the, the uh, highway patrol. Highway patrol will get involved. And they'll give you a ticket. And I'm oh like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I don't even. You know, and the worst part is I'm driving the FJ. The FJ doesn't have a GPS on it, so I don't really know how far Tulsa is. I'm using my phone just to tell me where to go. But I like having like an overhead kind of a, like an idea where I'm at in the world. Sure. Versus what the the GPS is telling me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't care. I don't know where Tulsa's at. I don't know where the tollway ends. Just give me the thing. So she fills it out by hand. She writes my name. She writes my driver's license number. She writes down the car, the plate number. Because you couldn't be trusted to do that exactly. by yourself. Exactly. Right. And she goes, you got to give this envelope to the whatever, but make sure you get off and get cash. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. An hour or two later, I'm in Tulsa, and I pull off. And I, I'm telling you what. The whole time, I'm, th- I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I hate Illinois, and I hate the – I don't hate Illinois. I hate the Illinois Tollway Association or administration or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. But at least we can take credit cards. You know, yeah. nowadays I can at least, you know, hold my credit card up and it, it rings it through and I get through. It is what it is. It sucks, but it's automated. Right. And this road obviously gets a lot of people because I saw New York plates. I saw plates from every other part of the sure. country. Oklahoma so is a giant interstate 44 goes, yeah, from Texas to Missouri. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, those th- Texas and Missouri, man, Amarillo to, to, 
to Columbia. That's the road. Um, so I'm 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 thinking every worst thing about Oklahoma and how much I hate this toll road. And I literally have lost faith in humanity that humans should not be doing this job. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to go through the automated station at the grocery store from now on because screw, screw humans. <laughs> this is where I'm at. Right? I'm hating this woman. And so I get off in Tulsa and I, and I type an ATM. And if you take 44 through Tulsa, you end up in like the south side of Tulsa. It was kind of a weird spot. I put an ATM. Next thing I know, I end up at an ATM for Bitcoin. What? It was like a it was like a head shop with like weird drawings on the side of the place. I'm like, I'm not going in there. This is ATM in the back, and you keep going. It's in the back of an RV. I'm like, I got twenty dollars in Bitcoin, <laughs> which is probably worth twenty one dollars now. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's sketch. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, this isn't good. So then I found a Bank of America. So I drove up there. I mean, all told, I probably spent twenty five thirty minutes off the road just to find an ATM. Because <laughs> whatever her name was, and so an hour later, I, mean, I took out sixty bucks. Because I don't even know how much a toll is going to be. I know I, she didn't write down the amount or anything like that. I'm like, this yeah. could be a twenty dollar toll. I mean, you know, you're going across the state. Uh, so I get back on the highway, Tulsa, and you know, a while later, I end up at the final toll booth. And again, I have hated on the existence of this woman that I met in the tollway system through Oklahoma. Hated him. Paid the three dollar fee for my sixty dollars. I'm thinking I've wasted twenty five minutes. <laughs> Human beings suck, and uh, I don't know why I travel without cash. But anyway, I get to the toll booth and I run into Sandy. Sandy number seventeen oh one is her employee ID on her on her badge on her badge on her badge. And I okay. saw it on a receipt too, so I can could quantify that and verify it. But uh, Sandy seventeen oh one was sweet as pie. She was she reminded me of the uh, the. The secretary from Ferris Bueller. Oh, you know, like yeah. the girl who stuck the – she kept pulling pens out of her hair. Grace. Yeah. Grace. But yeah. she was so nice. She's like, oh, you got one of those? Okay. Let me have that. And it's <laughs> going to be – Did she call you sugar? Uh, maybe. She goes, it's going to be $10. Do you have that? And I said, yeah. I pulled off. She goes, okay. Well, let me do all this for you. I said, can I get receipts? She goes, oh, no problem. And she took care of me. And I, the whole time I felt like I was being nurtured by like a grandmother type person. I'm like – God bless her. Yeah. God bless Sandy. Why couldn't she have been at the beginning? I know. They need to switch places. They San- do. Sandy should have been there because all I could think of was like, I hope Sandy gets a good pension. Sandy probably goes home to a nice <laughs> nice husband and probably makes him dinner. It's just like, I love Sandy. Yeah. I, actually, maybe I was punchy by that point. I'm not sure. But, maybe. Uh, it might have been the five-hour energy kicking in or whatever. <laughs> maybe were... Steve Brown gets this way. Maybe he gets a little uh, maybe. misty as he gets through the uh, big runs. But bottom, sure. bottom line is the highway patrol did not get involved. No, but there was highway patrol people with people pulled over at the end. And I and so they were searching the car. It probably smelled like marijuana or something like that. Mm-hmm. But all I could think of was that first lady was dead on. You yeah. know, that guy didn't have his five bucks and that guy's getting pulled Here's over. Here's his license plate. Go get him. <laughs> what a weird situation. In this day and age where you can <laughs> – you can order something at noon, have it by three that afternoon at your yeah. house. You can. They can't take a credit card. Yeah. At a toll plaza for guests, I can understand. Like when they did the, the hell, whole, Illinois charges two or three dollar convenience fee for my registrations. I think they'd be making bank just having that credit card reader, right? I absolutely do. Florida SunPass, same way. I mean, you can pay and and get what you need to do. To take cash only in twenty twenty one. I don't know. Maybe. Some states are a little behind, and it's not because of any. It's not political. It's just that gal's a, probably been rolled once or twice just carrying that cash bag back to the uh, station. Think about that. Yeah, think about that. That's there's a reason we don't carry cash all over, especially when you travel. Yeah, 
when you travel nowadays, what's the first thing you do? It's like, I'm going to use my credit card. I'm going to pay where I can. I'm not going to carry a lot of cash because stuff happens. I mean, and then if I'm if I'm at a gas station, there's slots. I mean, I can't have cash in my pocket because next thing you know, it's all gone. Right. Okay. You were in Vegas at the time, were you? <laughs> anyway, uh, the, I had a Sienna story I was going to tell, but let's. I'm just going to put it this way. I had a customer call me today. She goes, hey, Eric, I'm looking at the new Sienna. What can you tell me? I said, well, Dorothy, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't buy a new Sienna right now, if you don't find what you like on the lot right now, you're probably going to be screwed by the time middle of summer comes around. We've actually – we had a guy from California buy one, mm. paid to ship it out there. We sold it sticker. We've yeah. had we've had uh, purchasing companies try and buy the Sienna's we have on our lot. And they're from out of state. Uh, you know, Montana, I think this company tried to buy two of them from us today. Wow. And we said, listen, we're not selling to you for less than $1,000 over sticker. And they're like – well, why would you do that? And we're like, well, why are you calling us from Montana? <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just get them in Montana Yeah, so when, Oklahoma? Yeah, so when Dorothy said, well, I'm looking for an LE, but I want white. And I'm like, well, we got a white van on the lot right now. But Dorothy, I'm telling you, this is what I can tell you get about it. the new Sienna. It's a great van, and everybody wants them. And if you don't trade right now, you might find yourself waiting for whatever you want. So yep. it's, it's crazy. I've never seen a, a market like this. Where certain vehicles, Tundras are that way, yeah, and Siennas are that way right now. I was gonna say the Tundra group. I'm in on Facebook. Some guy was like, "Oh, here's the deal that I got from the, you know, the dealership," and he says he's not willing to deal. What should I do? And it's funny to see the, the responses. <laughs> Love to hear what the responses are. Well, there's. I'll send you the link. There's like, <laughs> there's like half of them. They're like, "Just walk away, go somewhere else." And I'm like, and then the other half is like, "Where are you going to go? If this is what you want, they have one right now." Like they're shutting production down. It's they not are. just Toyota. It's it's all over the place. We heard. Uh, I heard a story today about a, a dealership, uh, not necessarily close to us, but uh, they had discounted one fifteen hundred bucks, and the customer went over to and he saved fifteen hundred bucks and. Our managers all look at each other like, why would you do that? Because you can't replace it. No. So it does not send you another one to replace it. So you just gave away a Tundra. It's very short-sighted. But it's, it's very tough, too, because you want to take care of your local customers. Obviously, you don't want your customers to leave and go somewhere else. Right. But you, it's a balancing act, right? Well, and especially look at the Blue Book value on you stuff right now. You stuff is nuts. Oh, it's stupid. It's absolutely nuts. So, But like Dean was saying, you could get a decent money for your – <laughs> for your used stuff, you're not going to be able to find something new to replace it with. Exactly. So yeah. that's why I'm staying in my house, Daryl. I was going to hock it next week and make big, big bank. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to buy that Lambo. I was going to sell my house and buy a Lambo. <laughs> going to order it. <laughs> just show up on the Carvana. They, they weren't willing to deal. I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm going to go to Tulsa Lambo and yeah. order me up one. All right. The final segment of the show, Daryl. You ready for this? Let's do it. Cars of the week. All right. If you don't know what cars of the week is, this is where Daryl and I bust out the virtual wallets. We sit there and we dream dreams of cars that we want to own and we think could fit in our garage. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, uh, when we think about it, really, 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 really hard. Uh, they're probably not as good as the ones we already have. Probably not. And generally, the wives don't agree with our opinions. I'm just here, to be honest, for this segment because of the theme music. <laughs> That's why I like it. I kind of mix up a little bit. I mm-hmm. think uh, it's been two different songs, but I'd like to find 70s game show songs like for Like Monty Hall. Yeah. Any, yeah, any kind of <laughs> bad 70s game yeah, show. Exactly. So this last week, I found myself at Farm and Fleet in Morton. I was buying a battery for my tractor. And uh, I saw a beautiful 80 series Land Cruiser. It was gorgeous. And the wife was with me. I even snuck up and got a picture profile of him. And I sent it to Jake. And uh, creep, a total creep. But uh, when I got behind him, <laughs> Jake or you? <laughs> I'm a creep. So oh, I took yeah. a picture of him. So anyway, I, I got kidding, behind Jake. him as they pulled out. It, dude, it, beautiful black bumpers, gray truck, said Land Cruiser on the side. Everything's perfect. And, uh, 
got behind the guys. I saw it said Arizona plates. And so going on back onto the interstate, we were going back into town. I got up beside him and I rolled down the window and I honked. And the guy low down, I'm like, dude, cool rig. And I'm sure my wife was like, <laughs> so, so she saw the picture and then you did that. Oh, she was in the car she when was I the did whole it. Time. Yeah, 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 dude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it got me thinking a lot about this. You know, the 80 series has been one of those trucks that uh, I liked. I sold them back when I was a salesman back in the 90s, but uh, I didn't really have an appreciation because they had the inline six and they were always kind of a dog. But as time has gone by, that inline six, has shown itself to be a really strong engine. These these vehicles last 300,000 miles all day long. So I went to eBay, and I thought, what is the cheapest 80 series I can find? And I found one that's $8,000 or best offer. It's a 1993 Toyota Land Cruiser, and it's a bright red, and it looks pretty clean. So, you know, in first vision, you're like, all right, this looks pretty slick. Yeah. It's in California. It's only, okay. si- only 1,600 miles from home, which, you know what, I drove that the other day, so I'm good. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Steve Brown's going to take me out there, he said. Mm-hmm. 1993 Land Cruiser. It's a 4x4. It doesn't have the diff lock, lock option, which sucks. The uh, collector's editions, uh, the, let's see, 40th anniversary edition had like the center lock and the front and rear lock, which is like high, highly desirable. And this is what, just kind of like push button? This, this is a basic, yeah, yeah. The, the e-lockers basically. Gotcha. Uh, this truck for $8,000 has 383 380,000 miles. It's wow. crazy. It runs and drives very good. He's had it for one year and six months. He didn't put 18 months. He had to put one year and six months. It's got fresh fa- fresh paint. Fender flares are removed and dele- deleted. Uh, you can see the original paint when opening the door. See pictures. Painted because of faded paint and surface rust is what he said. Well, so Being a California truck, I could believe that. Yeah. $8,000 for almost 400,000 miles, Daryl. That still seems cheap to me, though. These things usually command, you know, you hear Land Cruiser, you're just like, oh, boy, get the <sighs> checkbook. I mean, is this kind of the, the entry level right now? Or I, is... I think this is the, the jump off point. So I, I've seen them with uh, blown cats in rough, rusty condition, $5,000. Wow. That's what they're going for. Okay. So I, I think if you find one drivable, especially California, West Coast, $8,000. Mm-hmm. But, dude, almost 400,000 miles. Yeah, but you can also probably find something with that motor here in the Midwest where the car is rusted out with less miles, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's a complete overhaul at that point. It's going to be interesting to see what, what time does to these. I mean, well, I, I think they're going to plateau and hang around this eight to $10,000 range. But as gas gets to $4 a gallon or $5 a gallon or you can't register these things, and I mean, what what can you really do with this vehicle? I don't know. These 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 are my high school years, and I remember there was a, a kid that I was in band with, and his mom drove one of these things. Oh, really? Yeah, and they bought it brand new. It was, you remember all the band kids. I think I remember, there was a girl with a sob who was in your band. Yes, you? yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Did I go off on that one rant? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah his yeah. this dude's mom had one of these things. and it was, Might have uh, had a first kiss situation or something. Uh, that was a Camry. That's a different story. But anyways, <laughs> see, there's Toyota somehow in my lineage. I don't know what's going on. No, but I remember when when his mom showed up in there, I thought – this is how – I didn't know anything about trucks back then. I thought it was an Isuzu Trooper because that's what this kind of reminds me of, the old school Troopers. Yeah, the slider rear windows and stuff look a little funky. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, but it's Toyota. And I had no idea what it was. But theirs had like the leather. It had the gold you know, trim on it. It It was super elegant. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is like the pinnacle. This is really cool. Forgot all about them. And then years later, I was watching Busta Rhymes videos on YouTube. <laughs> and, and he actually drives around New York City in one of these. 
uh, for a video for a song called uh, I Make Sure Everything Remains Raw. Great song. Just look that up on add YouTube. Add it to my playlist for March. But I think he drives around in a red one. Hmm. So I have to send you that Might video. have been this one. Might, might have been. Anyway, $8,000 or best offer. I uh, have not presented it to the wife yet, so I'll let you know if she says yes on this. Yeah, one. keep me posted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just track down the one you saw on, uh, on Farm and Fleet and just give him a card and be like, call me if you ever sell it? Yeah, right. Dude, I told Angela. I, I said, that dude, there's $40,000 in that truck at least. Easily. Yeah, I think I think really to, to get the body and everything up to snuff and do the paint and everything he did, he probably had $25,000 in it. Sure. And then another $15,000 in bumpers and, and all the little extra accouchements. But that's yeah. the kind of – that's the kind of truck that once you put that in there, you're yeah. like, I'm, oh, this is for life. And he's going back to Arizona, so you know the body is going to rot out. See, that's the other problem here. Even if you put it in the garage here in central Illinois, yeah. it could still rust out just from exposure to hot and cold and condensation, right? And it, it, you'd be surprised. It'd be, you could probably do okay, but you'd, you'd have to take some yeah. preventive measures. I only take it out in April and I put it away in, spray in it with September. Fl- spray it with, uh, what is it, fluid film? Fluid film, yeah. Or wool wax, is that the other one, or whatever that's called? I don't know wool wax, but yeah. I don't know. Daryl, okay, so you've gone – actually, you you haven't gone this old in a while, have you? No, no. This week, I actually started looking at 50s cars. I looked at a, a 56 DeSoto that I kind of was hot to trot on, and then I, I was looking through the you – know, it's one of those that had like 25 pictures, and the first 10, like, oh, that looks nice. And then it was like the next – after that were, were photos taken this year. Oh. It was like, I've had this car for 20 years. Well, it looked great 20 years ago. Now it looks like it needs a resto. <laughs> so I found this thing because it was a little cheaper and it was still in my wheelhouse. This is a uh, – the car I picked this week is a 1938 Chrysler Royal C18 four-door sedan. It's a bit fancy way of saying a big Chrysler four-door from 1938. Uh, guys asking 12000 bucks or best offer and it's an ad I found on Facebook Marketplace in our neck of the woods here in a town called Havana right along the Illinois River. Cuba? Um, oh, okay. Close. No, no, close. There is a Cuba that's not far <laughs> from Havana. true, yeah. Uh, Illinois. Illinois is fun. Uh, but the entire ad text was this. Or best offer, willing to trade for mid-70s Corvette. That's it. <laughs> that's the entire text. I'll take a Stingray for this thing. Okay. It's like five or six photos. Good, decent photos. Why don't you just find a cheap Stingray and throw it at this guy and didn't... That's not a bad idea, actually, because I probably could find one for less than 12K. Uh, but I just – interesting little bit of trivia. These things had nice, reliable – I think it was a 241. I'm not sure on my Chrysler motors, but I think it was a flathead six for sure, three-speed trans. And they were – I think this was built one year before Chrysler came out with what they call fluid drive, which was kind of a, a semi-automatic deal with the trans. It's kind of a mess. It works nice, but <laughs> – it's just extra mess. I don't want to deal with it. This is just plain. First off, when you say you don't want to mess with something, it must be really terrible because you mess with everything. Yeah, but this is I don't anything they they later called it like gyromatic transmission. Anything you you throw like gyro or any kind of like old tech in the name of it, I'm like I don't want to touch space. That. Did they ever use the word space? So, or astro? No. <laughs> okay. It's like uh, I, I do remember though these cars. Johnny Carson's first car was a similar era Chrysler. Now, who knows that bit of trivia? Come on. Well, I found that uh, it was at a museum at uh, it was the Imperial Palace collection out in Vegas when Sarah and I were on vacation. Yeah. And out of all, I mean, they had like Lambos and Ferraris, and you know they had F forty up there and stuff, all neat stuff. And here, what did I geek out on? Johnny Carson's like thirty nine Chrysler Royal. <laughs> 
sitting on a stage because they had the original Tonight Show desk when he took over from like 1962 or whatever, whenever he took over from Jack Paul. Yeah, yeah. But the worst part about that is nobody cares anymore. I mean, no, no. Yeah. I mean, nobody. No. Johnny Carson is becoming like a lost thing. Yeah. And if you say, oh, I was up watching old episodes of Carson on you know Hulu or something, they're like, yeah. who? But no, I remember that because he had it was a it was a light light green color and it was kind of a big frumpy sedan. I think he got it from his dad or his grandpa when he was a farm kid in Nebraska. And he talked about it quite a bit on his show over the years that some of the execs at NBC like took note of it. And then when he had his like I don't know if it was twenty fifth anniversary or something of hosting in like the eighties. What do you do? Thirty years? I think so. Yeah. I think he retired in ninety three, ninety does that sound right? 92? Maybe. I remember watching the last episode, but I don't remember what year that was. Bette Midler. Yeah, but he always talked about it. So NBC actually found – they went to like his hometown. I don't know if it was Omaha or somewhere. They went to his town in Nebraska and like, hey, uh, do you remember – they went to like three different places. Like, do you remember Johnny Carson growing up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember he had an old Chrysler? Oh, yeah, it's in so-and-so's garage. They found his old wow. Chrysler that was like this. And they spent all this money to restore it, and they gave it to him as a present. And he kept it in his collection. And then right before he passed, he talked to Leno. Gave it to Leno, huh? He gave it to Leno. And so he gave that to Leno along with like the old Tonight Show desk, like the mic, the, you know, the big RCA mic, yeah. all that stuff. It ended up in the Imperial Palace collection, and I think it sold – oh, no, no, no. Uh, it went back to It went back to Leno. Okay. Like Leno just parked it there for a few years. Okay. Just so, as a, yeah. yeah, interesting. And a I saw off. that. I saw that and I'm like, first of all, it's a it's a unique car. It's something that was ubiquitous. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew about Chrysler's back in the day. And now you don't. People don't restore them. People don't talk about them. Just like Johnny Carson, he's kind of fell out of favor for some reason. It's just legend. And I saw this for twelve grand. You can buy a lot of stuff for twelve grand that will turn heads and it'll be like yeah, people will talk about it. You can yeah. find an old Corvette for twelve grand. Like, oh, that's a nice Corvette. I would much rather have something like this. It's just timeless classic. And I want it. Boy, uh, you think about that. Johnny Carson falling out of favor. But then you go back even further and you, and you talk about Ed Sullivan. And even you talk about like the old, the, old, the old radio plays you know, that used to go on. I don't yeah. know that culture is keeping up with that stuff anymore. That, that stuff seems to be dissipating at an exponential pace. It is because even when you and I were younger, we were into that kind of stuff yeah. because our grandparents or parents talked yeah. about it. Did you ever have any old radio shows on cassette and stuff like that? Like no, I, I think or... I think we did, but I don't remember listening to those. But uh, but I just I just remember that culture. I was I was a Marx Brothers fan. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Actually, we were at a store a while back, and I saw the Coconuts on DVD. I don't own that. I own almost all the all the Marx Brothers movies on DVD. If you know Marx Brothers, Coconuts is like a really weird, obscure title, one of their earliest stage plays. And I told Angela, I'm like, I have to buy this DVD right now. And she goes, really, a DVD? And I'm like, I'm never going to find this ever again. No. So I grabbed it, you know. And uh, but that that level of culture is just like gone. And yeah. So Carson, I mean, that he's like the end of it. I yep. mean, he's the most modern iteration of the vaudeville. You know, he he interviewed all those people and. I didn't realize how late he lived. I I just I remember he retired and kind of just did his own thing. I always quiet. hoped he'd go on Letterman. He never, never did. Nope, never did. He he was into Corvettes. He liked cars. He yeah. wasn't like Leno. He yeah. didn't have like three hundred and some. But he was into Corvettes, mm-hmm. and he had that Chrysler in his collection for a long, long time. Yeah, I remember like Inquirer would take pictures of him playing tennis with his wife. I'm like, so horrible, you know. Yeah. Just let the guy. The guy was in the public spotlight. He had like eight wives. 
Yeah. Leave alone. Yeah. And all of those divorces were horrible, by the way. <laughs> Every single one of them. And if you ever watch, I was watching a lot of old Dangerfield. He, he, he laughs a lot about them. Anybody that did a joke about like, oh, my wife or whatever, he would just start living, my ex-wife, my divorce, my yeah, attorney. Yeah, yeah. He would, any divorce joke, he would just start howling. It's yeah, yeah. like, mm, it hits close to home. Yeah, no, he was always, everybody's making fun of his wife too. Anyway, yeah. segue. Yep, yep. Folks, thank you for participating in another Throw and Wrenches episode. We do want to thank our sponsor again, Carly Connected Car. Uh, again, if you go to Carly Connected Car, go TWA15. That's Throwing Wrenches Automotive 15. That'll save you 15% off of the package with them. Uh, we do want to thank them for their support. It was very gr- gracious of them to reach out to us. Uh, enjoyed this uh, time with the device. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. And I do plan on uh, you know recommending it and playing around a little bit more. My dad was even asked about it because like, they still have an old Saturn. Hey, what about the – will it work on <laughs> course, my 2008 of Saturn? They do. Yeah. Of course it will, yeah. Dad. I'll bring it up. We'll try it out. So, <laughs> Yeah, so thanks again to them, and uh, we'll get back to normal, normal features on the next episode. And uh, thanks again for spending an hour with us. We'll see you next time. This is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. Bye. How long was that bad boy?